0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host Mitch Michaels and thank you for joining me here on Wednesday, May 9, 2018 where there is a lot to talk about in the sports world. Got a couple good guests to break down the playoff seasons in different sports. First up front of the show, Eric Roberts, Fox Sports Radio producer. He's going to break down hockey. The Stanley Cup playoffs are as exciting as ever. Alex Ovechkin and the Capitals breakthrough. They beat Sidney Crosby and the Penguins to get to the first conference final of Ovechkin's career, first for the Capitals since 98. We'll talk about that. The Lightning beating the Bruins. The expansion Vegas Golden Knights going to the conference final in their first year. It's unbelievable. Where they'll play the winner of tomorrow night's epic game seven between Winnipeg and Nashville, two best teams in the regular season. All that and more with Eric Roberts. And then Tom Weisenbach joins the show. Billy Native to talk about the Sixers, the The road and rise of them to get to the playoffs, the struggles against Boston, can they come back, what's been lacking, what's been the key for them during the season and the run. We look at LeBron and the Cavs, the Western Conference showdown that's set between the Warriors and the Rockets, all that and more with Tom Weisenbach. It's the Money Mitch Effect and the show starts right now. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect to talk Stanley Cup playoffs. What else? It is Eric Roberts, producer for Fox Sports Radio. Eric, thanks for joining the show, and thanks for uh, taking time. Yeah, thanks for taking time on this rare day off in the hockey playoff schedule.
1: I'm so wired. I feel like this this day off kind of came at a good time for everybody involved. But um, and then you kind of get here and you're like, wait, wait, but I want to watch hockey, and it's like, what the hell? So it's kind of like a pick your poison scenario.
0: I think there was just one other day that they was off right at the end of the first round, and that's been it. I mean, it's been go, go, go from the beginning of game one of the playoffs. We're on the verge, one game seven in the conference semis, and then we're down to the final four. It's just a lot to process. It's a lot going on, um, a lot of new storylines, a lot of new teams here. But we'll start with the one series, Eric, that's still going on. It was the two best teams in the regular season points-wise, Nashville and Winnipeg. We're going to Game 7 back in Nashville. There's been four road victories in this series. There's been a lot of ups and downs. No teams really had a sizable edge. But, Eric, we're going back to Nashville. After two games that have been wildly different, Nashville gets destroyed at home in Game 5 by Winnipeg. And then Peck plays amazing again in Winnipeg. Philip Forsberg is disgusting with a couple of his goals. They win, force a game seven. So I ask you this question to start off. What do we chalk this up to, just two evenly matched teams? Or is it something more? Why do you think there has been much of a rhythm, if any, uh, in this series?
1: Oh, man, I don't know. It's it's kind of the series that you would want, that you wanted to go seven. If you look at all these these series, obviously you want it. seven games for every series would have been amazing But This is the series that kind of stood out to me because you i would i'd love to see you know max amount of nashville versus winnipeg and travel the teams the two different environments and stuff like that and i feel like it it has just been kind of a roller coaster that's never really figured itself out i mean you go into the series you think that okay these teams will win home ice and they'll try to steal one steal games on the road but you, like you said there's been four road victories you going into a game in winnipeg where you think winnipeg can close out a series you're like okay this is a Check it, book it, you're, they're they're done and then Nashville comes in and kinda of dominates on the back of like you said, Peccarina and, and Philip Forsberg. And now you kinda of go to Nashville, the same scenario, like, okay, so you would think Nashville goes follows up that victory with an even like more, you know, locked down Nashville hockey, but in this series it's kind of a situation where you're like, Well, I don't really know what to expect going into this game seven.
0: Exactly. You don't you don't know what's gonna happen. It wouldn't shock either of us one bit if Winnipeg just came out and won in Nashville again, which they've done twice already in this series. To me Rene's been interesting. I don't blame him entirely for their losses, but he's been off a little bit a couple of those home games and even, you know, the game that I think is already forgotten about Eric, the first game in Winnipeg, game 3 when Nashville was up 3-0 and Winnipeg scored 4 in the second period.
1: Yeah, I mean and then it kind of has always been there's, there's been this kind of thing with Pekka, you know, even in the past where he's kind of let in some squeakers here and there at really inopportune moments. So, but seeing how he rebounded on the road you kind of expect him and hopefully that he comes in and doesn't lay an egg at home in a huge game seven for the team.
0: Yeah, it's been interesting too to see the coaches go back and forth with some of their matchup decisions and how they've done things. I know Nashville's loaded up front, but Eric Scottie Hartnell, a guy we both know pretty good uh, from watching play in the league, he's been in and out of the lineup, and it's been hit or miss. But I do have to say game six, he looked pretty good. He gave them that physical edge, and and I think not just him, but Nashville in general – they're stifling this Winnipeg power play. That's been a difference maker to me. How they've gotten back into the series, how they won Game Six, basically shutting it down four or five times.
1: Yeah, like the the Scott Hartnell thing. Yeah, he brings a sense of uh, uh, extra sense of physicality to you know a, a team that's already really suffocating. So he's just a pinball out there, and you know just making life difficult for like some of these these fast young studs. I mean, and then on the the power play note, like the. Patrick liney has been invisible, you know. So much of their offense and just their production revolves around him. And the power plays, he's the focal point And he seems a little frustrated here and there. And I think it's kind of weighing
0: on him. It does. Um, I think he's a guy that needs to step up. Haven't seen much from Blake Wheeler. schleffly has been amazing. I think he's got star in the making written all over him. This has just been such a fun series with some of the goals that Forsberg scored, especially. I mean, my goodness. He's been having one heck of a playoffs, Eric. But last night with the goal between his legs, I think that was the icing on the cake for this. can't believe he's only a 23-year-old hockey player.
1: Yeah, man. He's putting together an insane highlight reel. I mean, he, he took apart a, a Colorado defense in there in the first round. He had a couple. In this series, he's putting together a nasty highlight reel for sure, just on just these playoffs alone.
0: And I have to say for Nash, for, uh, for Winnipeg, one of my favorite moments of the playoffs and definitely in a long time, was Bufflin throwing down two Predators by himself.
1: Oh, he's, a, he's a big man, dude. I, and uh, I don't know if you, there was a little Twitter interaction uh, on, on Twitter of a guy who, who tweeted out, his said that he was chirping Bufflin all game, and it turned out he was sitting in front of Bufflin's parents. <laughs> and somebody asked their parents, he said, what would you feed him?" And they said mashed potatoes and Hardee's. <laughs> when, you know with that body, man, he's a big guy, so that kind of makes
0: sense now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been uh, it's been a great series. I think it could go, uh, I think it will go down to the wire. It should be exciting for Nashville. You'd like to see more of that defensive style. But I'll ask you point blank, we're here, Eric. How do you see this one turning out?
1: I'm going with Nashville. I think they're, you know, they've been through this before. They've been on the long haul just last season. I think they're going to figure it out and lock down a, a big home win for, for their team
0: think i'll stick with winnipeg I, it has the craziness of this series uh it has a it has a very odd factor going into it and i think winnipeg could win this game i think the goaltending hellbuck has been pretty steady through most of it he's gonna have to play well again but hey whoever wins this is gonna have survived a war and they're gonna need to keep it going uh, <laughs> to get to the final four but we finally have another game seven and this one could be pretty good i mean i know we get our hopes up for game sevens but this is the the one as you said at the start yeah i think
1: i think even if there's a lot of goals in this one it's going to be a close one it could be another one you know like these these four sevens you know seven goals here five four two overtimes it's going to be not wild probably
0: well we get overtime in this game it's going to be electric (laughs) that's going to be yeah definitely buzzing on that one all right eric roberts money mitch effect We'll talk about the teams that got to the conference finals already, the three teams that punched their tickets. In the Western Conference, there's so many storylines to talk about in hockey. We'll get to the East in a second, but the Vegas Golden Knights, Eric, the expansion Vegas Golden Knights are into the conference final in their first year. They beat the Sharks in six hard-fought games. Credit to the Sharks for battling. They were dealing with injuries. Thornton didn't play. Evander Kane was beat up. Other, Other injuries, but could not get past the Knights, who are in the conference final in their first year, all praise be to Marc-Andre Fleury. It's remarkable. I have to take back some of the things I've said about him in the past, based on how good he's been this year.
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy. He's, he's, of course, there's the people, he's played well enough to get the conspiracy people out there, like, oh, well, the Penguins should have kept him, and all that stuff, now especially with them being out on the other side of the bracket, but he's locked down, he's come up with some huge games, he's it's, and then, you know, in the past, Mark andre Fleury has, you know, crumbled in some big moments in the playoffs. So you're kind of in the back of your head, but he's just shutting down any kind of, any hater, any kind of negative talk about him with, with some really rock-solid goaltending.
0: We talked about how this team is built the right way with speed. I think they, that was the right way to play. In today's NHL, they're a very fast team. Fleury makes save after save, but they surrounded him with some big bodies in front. This was the first series, you know. They they call themselves that golden the golden misfits because basically nobody wanted them. There is some truth to the fact that you get all these guys trying to prove their worth and and bonding together. I was taken aback, Eric, by how loose they were on the bench. I mean, they're laughing, they're having a good time, they're not getting phased by these pressure moments.
1: Yeah, and they've come through. You know, they they were they've been in some pretty tight games. Also, you know, even going back into the first round against the Kings, those were all one goal games. There was a double overtime game in there. They've been in a couple. Couple overtime games with the Sharks, and they, you know, like you said, do they do? They look like they're they're handling the moment. I think it says something with those guys in the locker room that have been there. They, they've gotten through the draft, the you know the flurries, the Niels, the the McNabs on the team. Um, that I think that you know they got a really good gel of what to expect from the guys that've been there, and they're getting production from the new guys.
0: It's it's kind of remarkable too. They were able to overcome adversity. You mentioned that game two loss um, when they lost to the Sharks. That was the first time all, season, all postseason that they lost, but it was also a loss on home ice, and it was kind of a shot in the arm, like, let's see what they have now that their backs are against the wall a little bit. That game three, where it went to OT, uh, was one of the best overtime playoffs I can remember. Wild Bill Carlson, again, scoring the game winner, but those eight minutes were absolutely electric.
1: Yeah, and it was one of those moments where you, you see it kind of developing, and you, you see who gets the puck, and you and Carlson had a huge game the game before, you know, and He had two goals and a couple chances at hat-tricks. And for him to come back and, you know, have a rebound game, you know, it's kind of, okay, you know, I didn't come through and put us over the edge last game, but I'm going to do it today on the road and get us right back in the the lead in this series.
0: He's had a great playoff. Uh, Another guy we've talked I mean, we talked about him uh, (laughs) in the winter when he was having his good year. Uh, What a nice story it was, and and (laughs) it didn't fade at all in the slightest. Last thing I'll say about Vegas, Eric. I think the sky's the limit now. You know, it's, it's no longer, oh, it's a feel-good story. They won a round. They won two rounds in the conference final. Now they're eight wins away from the Stanley Cup, and I don't think anybody should be surprised if they do it.
1: Oh, no, definitely not. I mean, it's, they've gone through two of the heavyweight teams in, in, you know, in Western Conference recent memory. They're the staples of you know, the Western Conference finals. or the Sharks, Kings, somebody involved on the coast, and they kind of bullied their way right through them. And, you know, now we're going to get a team coming out of either Winnipeg or Nashville. that has gone seven games. It's gone through a really physical kind of series. So the, the rest versus rest debate will be going rampant, that's for sure. But, I, you know, they could definitely, you know, pull us off.
0: <laughs> Does this team remind you of any team, you know, built around goaltending? A lot of people don't think they're as good. They're tough. They're fast. Maybe from 2012. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah, definitely t- sounds familiar. Um, the, you know, well, these West Coast teams that don't get respect until all of a sudden they're tearing uh, tearing apart. You know, these uh, these perennial powerhouses.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they have a long way to go to catch what the Kings did, but hey, they're they're doing <laughs> they're doing more than enough early. They're taking care of business. Eric Roberts on the Money Mitch effect. Let's go to the Eastern Conference, and it finally happened. We a lot of us, myself included, weren't sure that it ever would. But Alex Ovechkin is in a conference final. The Capitals, for the first time since 1998, get to the conference final. They beat the Penguins for just the second time in the playoffs in their history. They do it in six games in an excruciatingly tenuous game. They win 2-1 in OT in Game 6 to beat the Penguins in Pittsburgh. Ovechkin found Kuznetsov, who scored the game-winning goal. And uh, I'll start with this. I mean, this Capitals team... Eric has been much maligned for the last few years, but it's weird. The one year that we're not buzzing about them, hyping them up, is when they finally get it done. That has to have at least helped them in their journey, not being the deciding factor, but it had to help this team, right, that they weren't the talk of the league anymore.
1: Right, man. It's so interesting because, first of all, I'm so happy. I'm, I've am been I'm been the, the Ovechkin apologist since day one, and for him to finally do something where I can throw back into some debate in any kind of way, I'm so happy. But it was interesting to, to hear uh, Ovechkin talk after the win, and he's like, oh, yeah, nobody was respecting us, or, you know, he kind of gave the, like, nobody gave us a shot. And mm-hmm. it's like, wow, when was the last time you heard Ovechkin say that? Like,
2: yeah. usually
1: they're the disappointing teams, you know, and then, it, but it, it was, you know, they did kind of fly under the radar, but then they were right there, you know, where they should be, and they finally got over that hump, and I, it's just, and Ovechkin had some major moments in the in, in the series. You know, he had the big, uh, the big goal late. What was it in game? Uh, three, yeah. Game three, I think. Yeah, a nice little swat out of the air. He assisted on the series clenching goal. Like this was a career. If he goes on, I mean, even if he doesn't go, they don't go on to do anything. This was a career defining series for him in in a big way.
0: They were a lot tougher, right? I mean, they they played with more grit. They didn't try to out just. I mean, they showed their speed, but they didn't try to just outgun the Penguins. They were physical. They boarded on that line with Tom Wilson, but that's another thing. They were able to overcome adversity. In the last couple of years, you know, they go down early to Pittsburgh last year, get back to Game Three, and then get back to three-three, and then lose the Game Seven on their home ice. The year before, when they were even better in the regular season, they fell down three-one uh, and just could never overcome that. So I like the way they played with some toughness. I think they found Hopi. That was a key thing as well. But this Capitals team had the mindset that, like, we're going to eventually do it. We're going to stay the course. We saw with teams like Vancouver and San Jose in the West that have had those struggles that weren't able to break through. But you got to give this team a lot of mental uh, respect as well that they were able to just stay with it and finally beat the Penguins.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of situations where they would have folded in the past, they haven't. And Braden Holtby came through when they needed him, I mean, we, when we first talked about going to the playoffs, we were talking about how they kind of were coming in with a little bit of a goalie controversy, and you never really want that in the first round and, or even any part of the playoffs. And, you know, he kind of came through once Grubauer did kind of, you know, like Falter, he, once he got the net, he took it over. He played out phenomenal in the, in the series deciding game and their 2-1 overtime victory. Like, he's locked down and he's taken his net back, and he's a major reason why they finally got over that hump.
0: And another great postseason so far for Carlson kuznetsov i just i love the bird that's like his thing now (laughs) randomly he just decided to wave his arms like a bird he kind
1: of he kind of uh gave ovechkin a cold shoulder ovechkin was so ready to celebrate with him and he stopped up and gave the bird back in the corner on the ot goal
0: (laughs) that reaction ovechkin
1: looks so upset
0: how about that reaction though by ovechkin right like we knew everybody knew exactly what he was thinking like finally like it was more of a relief than joy for him
1: oh yeah definitely
0: well, I, I will say this: I, I haven't rooted for Pittsburgh at all. I am um, glad that they're out, but you got to tap your stick to them for what they've been able to do—two straight years where they win the Stanley Cup—and then they're as tough and out as they've ever been, as any team's been. Having to uh, knock out a champion is never easy. I, you did see teams being tired; it's why teams don't win two, three, four in a row that much, if ever, because they're just tired. It's a lot of hockey; it's a lot of meaningful hockey. I don't care how. How loaded your roster is. It's gonna to get to you and it's gonna to get to your legs especially.
1: Yeah, they kind of reminded me of like back when the Kings went, you know, they won the two cups in three years. They were in the Western Conference Finals against Chicago in that middle year, and they just kind of eventually ran out they looked tired and they looked like they ran out of gas that, that very next year after they won the second cup and they missed the playoffs. Same kinda of same situation, you know. They eventually with the Penguins, you go to the cup finals, back to back years, you win it, short summers. Eventually, you're going to run out of gas, and your body's going to get tired. And you know that, that you been a little bit of tired that comes up in the playoffs. It's magnified, and you, you know it's gonna it's gonna be those little things that keep you from moving on.
0: Well, the one guy that I think is going to be just fine is Jake Gensel, <laughs> because he's the one Penguin that maybe looks even better now, <laughs> despite losing.
1: Yeah, he yeah, that's for sure. He's uh, he, he had a great playoff too, man. He was from when he came and burst onto the scene kind of last year. He's just been a stud and he was still producing this year too.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's funny Crosby just making another millionaire out of thin air, but no, he looks like he's uh he looks like he's uh, the real deal. So, we'll see what happens. Uh Eric Roberts money Mitch effect the last team, the other team in the Eastern Conference to clinch their spot into the final, the Tampa Bay Lightning. They beat the Boston Bruins in 5 games. They lose game 1 and then roll off 4 straight. Lots to talk about with this series, but if anything, it reinforced the fact that when Tampa's rolling, they're as good as any team in this league, Eric. Offensive depth, I can't think of a better team, especially now, than the Lightning when it comes to that area.
1: Yeah, what, what a what a great prize, you know, for like a thank you for Ovechkin. Here, you finally get over into the tunnels <laughs> yeah. here's a red hot stem coast, you know, a, yeah. a stacked and absolutely stacked Lightning team for you to, you know, even get past the very next step that you need to get over, but... No, yeah, they, um, they kind of, you know, you saw the hiccup in game one, like we gave up six goals, but then I think they kind of snapped back it snapped them back in reality, and they said, hey, no, this isn't, this isn't happening. They go into Boston, win a couple games, and like you said, rattle off four in a row, but they, they, they do it because they're all, they're all contributing. They can run any line, and any line can score goals on you, but there's two top two lines stacked. Their power play is lethal. It's going to be a fun series, that's for sure.
0: I feel like I'm watching a future Rangers alumni game, though, when I, <laughs> when I see them play because it's ridiculous how many ex-Rangers are on this team.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Ryan Callahan's always the one I forget. I see him on the bench, and he has a letter, too, so it's, I always forget him for some mm-hmm. reason. I'll see him, and now he looks different, though. He's got the beard. Yeah, like there's Rangers up and down, like littered throughout this.
0: Well, it's funny because when the McDonough trade happened this year, I talked to one of my one of my good friends, who's a Rangers fan, and a lot of people were sharing the same sentiment. What what pissed him off the most was they traded away J.T. Miller as part of that deal. The other factor was they didn't get Sergachev as part of that deal, and those are two of the guys that are playing great and are able to pick up the slack when the top lines aren't top players aren't doing well. That's the luxury this team has. Kucherov had. An okay you know, series, nothing spectacular for his standards. But Stamkos is on, they have Braden Point, they have Callahan, they have <laughs> all these guys we mentioned. I mean, it's just crazy how loaded they are. Victor Hedman's playing well, and Vasilevsky's the guy that doesn't get enough credit in the net. Everyone thinks that you know they have this loaded team. He went through some hiccups in March, but he's played very, very well, and he's the reason why they've won a couple games on his own right. He's just very even keeled in the net, and he's got those like robot like tendencies. But whatever it is, it's working.
1: They're a very fast team, and you know they like to take chances up the ice. And but they do this because they're so they know Vasilevsky's back there for them. They can take these chances and push the puck up because if they get caught in an odd man rush going the other way, they do have very good defensemen, and then they have even an even better goalie in the, you know anchoring them in case it, they he has
0: to. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Um, but I want to ask you this question: As someone that's followed, played, and, and covered hockey for a long time, what's Brad Marchand's deal? Oh <laughs> man, a, dude! I mean, i think faces to... is a new one for me too, and I've been involved in this game for a long time.
1: I don't know, dude. <laughs> it's it's tough. I
0: I I'll say here's here's the first thing I'm gonna I'm gonna say. It's clear that he's a pest out there. He's he's as skilled of a pest as there is in the league. But he he is designed, he's programmed to just upset players on the other team. And part of that is trying to draw penalties. It's clear that when he gets to that point, as ridiculous and goofy as that is, that he's trying to draw a penalty. He's trying to get Callahan or whoever it is to punch him in the face and take a penalty. I just, I've never seen any reasoning for that ever. I, I don't know... I don't know why it's happening. I don't know why he thought that that's the way to do it. I don't know why after he had done it and been reprimanded marginally for it, he continued to do it. But it's true. I mean, and I hate to be the broad sweeping guy saying there's no place for something in the game, but, I mean, there there is. There's no place for that, that kind of behavior in hockey, and it's a shame because he, he really doesn't need to do it based on how skilled he is as well.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things like, you know, I mean, first of all, why would you want to do it? like i mean you guys are sweating man like uh, these guys aren't these aren't clean guys by this point of the playoffs To top it all off you know like and second yeah like i get i get the whole the pest aspect but in my mind you're you're doing yourself a disservice because this is so blatantly over the top like the guy's not going to give you the reaction you want like Mm -hmm. if somebody licks me i'm just going to kind of like what like i'm not going to punch you back i'm going to be put back from it like so you're doing yourself you're making it harder on yourself but yeah it's 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 one of those things, and of course, it's one of like you know, it gets. That's the one that gets the national media attention. And now everybody's like, "Dude, who whats with the weird-looking guy in hockey?" So
0: <laughs> exactly, It's like, oh jeez, it's getting the non-hockey people talking about that. I also, I think the league was—they were definitely slow to. De- they were—they dealt with it horribly in the sense that they didn't make the phone call after the first time it happened. But the refs could have just called him for a penalty right away and said, "No, there's no place for this unsportsmanlike," and they didn't do that, so. It was awkwardly handled. With I, I got to think people in that locker room dealt with him as well. Um, again, a just very bizarre, bizarre behavior. I know that the playoffs makes people think crazy at times, but uh, you can't, you can't do that. Boston's got a bright. Yeah, if Houston, I'm sitting next
1: to him, I'm just gonna be like, dude, stop doing this, so <laughs> I stop getting asked about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. The media side of it is uh, you get media requests. Third line players, fourth line players, backup goalies are, are getting media requests <laughs> yep. to talk about him. We'll see what Boston's future looks like, but it's going to be tough. Um, Eric Roberts, Money Mitch Effect. I got to ask you though about this series. I mean I look, it's hard for me to get more excited than a potential Tampa Bay Washington series. I know Washington has to win eight more games to, to fully get over that, that hump that Ovechkin and company have been dealing with, but Tampa's tough. This is going to be a fun series, and I gotta think goals are not going to be at a premium.
1: No, no way. This is going to be a run and gun. This this is going to be a high scoring game, or like every every one of them has a chance to. Once it opens up, it could get wild. And but it's it's so funny because there is the, the 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 off chance that you know Vasilevsky and Holtby could have a lockdown game. So I I wouldn't be surprised if, you know if there's a maybe a two one sprinkled in there somewhere. But I definitely yeah, believe that goals will be handed out very um. Uh, Generously, Truthfully, yeah, well, maybe a little we'll generously
0: series. as well. Yeah, you're right, though. I mean, yeah. that's the nature of hockey. But we'll have a game or two in there where it's just two one or one nothing. It's like, where did that come from? I just you can't take penalties in this series, right? There's no way if you, if you take a penalty to these teams, you're really you're really almost giving up a goal.
1: Oh yeah, no, and then you're you're gonna you're gonna just gonna see Stamkos and Ovechkin on their off wings, just ripping them left and right uh, throughout this series, and, and then that's gonna contribute to the they open it up and we'll have a, a five four final or something
0: my uh my heart is with ovechkin one hundred percent, but I gotta pick Tampa based on what I think I know about hockey
1: yeah i'm it's so tough man i I want ovechkins but i I'm, I'm, I've picked against them This is one of the first times I've picked against the capitals this year, and I've picked against them in a couple rounds, and I, they've shown me up, so maybe they'll, they'll keep it up and hopefully at least my heart will be happy
0: okay. Well, the last series, it's going to be Vegas versus whoever uh, comes out of Winnipeg-Nashville game seven. Do you think Vegas cares who they play? Do you think, I mean, they won the season series versus both, but do you think they have a, a true preference?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I think they're so locked in that they're they're just not, I mean, maybe they might have a, a couple of a certain preference based on travel when it comes down to logistics and stuff, but I think they're so locked in. When you, at this time of year, these guys are just like focused on the next day and they're not really looking too far. They just want to probably start playing, honestly.
0: Yeah, it's um, the one thing I'll say though is at Vegas, right? They have home ice if they play Winnipeg, even though Winnipeg had more, more points and they won the division, or they didn't win the division. Yeah, I think so. I believe so. So Vegas will have home ice. That's something to think about. I, I really don't think home ice matters. I mean, we've seen so many upside, We've seen so many road wins in the playoffs. It just reinforces the belief that home ice doesn't mean nearly as much as it does in other sports. I think they're not thinking too much about matchups. Um, the fact that each goalie on both, in both of those cases has been playing well. They're both strong teams, and they're going to have to beat a very good team to get to the final, so I don't think it matters. Um, but I do think that if I had to say who can match up, it's, it's so fascinating, too, because they both match up differently. I kind of like Winnipeg and their size versus what Vegas tries to do, but Nashville can skate with anybody. So that would probably be the, be the more fun series. Would be Nashville uh, versus Vegas.
1: Yeah, I think so. But then it's just. Then, but then you think it's like, oh wow, did I really just say you know a, a series about Winnipeg's offense and all you know that atmosphere? It's 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 either way, it's going to be an amazing series. Personally, I would probably I probably would want the the Winnipeg match. No, 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 I'm, <laughs> I'll
0: go to Nashville too. Actually, I know. Like, yeah, all, never mind. We're all torn on that one too. Um, and I know I've. I've been picking against Vegas, and I'm going to stick with that because I'm going to let it ride with whoever wins Game Seven, regardless of who that is. Which would make a Vegas Washington final fun. Me picking against both teams all the way through.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm riding Vegas. I think I would love to see. I'm, I'm probably just being selfish. I just want to see a Vegas Ovechkin kind of thing. Win-win scenario for me. I'm all for the history. And then if not, Ovechkin finally gets a cup, and I'm really happy for that. So
0: it'd be great. It'd be great to see. Uh, and one final note: I think. Obviously, we have a lot more time left to go before a champions crown, but Flurry's got to be the probably the leader right now in the Conn Smythe race, right? I mean, it has to be him.
1: Oh, definitely. If 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 he, I mean, if if Nashville comes out of Game Seven with Forsberg scoring a goal or two, I think he might jostle his way into that. But yeah, Flurry's probably your your favorite right now.
0: That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> with what he's done, if Forsberg keeps it going, I still can't believe. I mean. That, <laughs> Nashville, Washington would be fun too because Forsberg would be going against the team that traded him away for nothing. So,
1: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. definitely, and
1: that would just be visually so pleasing—a big yellow, like all the yellow, all the red—from watching over here on the other side of the, of the country. That'd be just an amazing atmosphere, probably.
0: It's kind of fun to know that of the five teams left, only Tampa Bay has won a Stanley Cup. It was in two thousand four. No one left still on that roster. We're gonna get all new—I mean, mostly new champions. Um, so it's gonna be fun to see. I mean, it's you're gonna see either an expansion team win it, a Canadian team win it, PK Subban and company in Nashville get them their first cup, Ovechkin get his first cup, or Tampa Bay Stamkos who who puts the feather in his camp. So I just I can't I can't express my excitement enough. I'm so glad Pittsburgh's out of there. No Boston, no Chicago. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. Some
1: fresh blood, man. Some new blood. Love it.
0: All right, Eric Roberts, thanks for joining the show. Appreciate you coming on the Money Mitch Effect. We'll see if we can sneak one of these in uh, again during the uh, final week, but we'll see. Could be could be a Stanley Cup final in Vegas, so I think the media members would love that.
1: Oh, definitely, man. Always a blast talking hockey. All
0: right, huge thanks to Eric Roberts again for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. We always appreciate having him and his hockey takes. So exciting, and I, and I mentioned it before, but Nashville, Winnipeg, and Epic Game 7 should be coming in. And then we have new blood. We have teams that either haven't won before, in Tampa Bay's case, have won a long time ago. No bad blood with any of these teams. Should be exciting to watch. Uh, if you're a casual fan, please tune in. This is the best time of the year to do it. It is nothing. There is nothing like playoff hockey. Now it's time to talk to Tom Weisenbach, a friend of mine from my NFL Network days. We're going to talk... About his Philadelphia 76ers In the NBA playoffs How the Celtics have gotten here without their two best players What the Cavs and LeBron James look like On an epic tear of his The Rockets and the Warriors We, we recorded this before the both those teams actually clinched But we knew what was going to happen We even dabble into some NFL talk as well It's Tom Weisenbach On the Money Mitch Effect Here it is now Alright Money, Money Mitch Effect Joining me on the show to talk a little hoops and some other things as well. Tom Weisenbach back on the program, Tom. Good to be having you in the kitchen yet again. Thank you, Mitch. I gotta we'll do one thing first. What we're not gonna do is talk about the NBA offseason because this is my time of year. A lot going on. We just had the Kentucky Derby, which was also nice hockey playoffs, basketball playoffs. If there's one thing that does irritate me now, it's when people look ahead to the off season of a sport that's still going on. I get it to a point, but come on, like we're in that we're in that time to shine. A lot of good sports going on.
2: Unless you're in the lo- uh, NBA lottery, you're basically looking
0: forward to uh, the advancement of the finals for that draw. Yeah, um, no, I, I I get that. I just maybe it's the Laker, signings, Maybe it's I the Laker really... fans out here that are just oh, the off season's coming. It's like we still we're we're not even in the conference finals yet. And
2: I'm not too far removed from that mindset this time of year. I really have had more focus on the lottery as a Sixers fan um, in the past, you know, several years um, to to really not re- care because it's going to be Durant, LeBron. You only really wake up in the finals. That type of yeah. That I, type of mentality has right. kind of creeped its way into the the psyche of of an NBA fan.
0: We're kind of getting to that point where I think. It look, a lot of the a lot of the same guys have been at the top for so long, but they are getting older. We're starting to see the younger the younger talent, the younger teams like Philadelphia, like even Boston, start to make their move. Are they ready yet? You know, it's hard to say. It doesn't look likely this year, but we're starting to see some things and we'll talk about that Sixers Celtics series right now. But Tom the last time you were on, Philly was about to embark on their long win streak. Now they're I like
2: to think I have something to do
0: with that. And, well, you, you were like maybe win a series then. So it wasn't like this post fall we're going to just t- take over the league. You're like, oh, it's a good story. But look, as it stands now, they're in the second round. They're down 3-1. They lost the first games to Boston. A lot of them were in dramatic, heartbreaking fashion. But before we get to that right now with what's happened from start to finish with this season and, and all the heartbreak and all the just agony you've gone through to get to this point, how are you feeling going into a, a looks like a series that isn't going to go your way? Is it going to be heartbreak, regardless of whether they lose Game Five, make it interesting, or are you able to say, "Well, we've done a lot of good things this year"?
2: Yeah, I think that's the right mindset to have. this This year was always kind of a developmental year, and and a lot of the playoff success um, has has moved the expectation line uh, greatly. When when funny how yeah. when they're the hot. Uh, they win 15, 15, 16 in a row, something like that. And, and granted, it's against bad teams because we all saw the strength of schedule coming on the back end of the season. Mm-hmm. Didn't expect to, them to win all of those I mean, games it takes and consist- 10 without yeah, Joel Embiid. It
0: takes consistency. I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. And. It's not the same as running in the playoffs, but you have to be consistent. You have to be a professional team to do that. Now that's that said, what it, what would
2: be frustrating about losing to a Boston Celtics team minus Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving is the fact that the Celtics have been processing while contending this entire time, while you're processing, and there are continually going to be a hurdle over this next few years while you're sure, becoming yeah. trying to become elite that's the more concerning thing when it comes to Sixers celtics in the future
0: it certainly looks like that depending on what lebron does and, and how much longer at the top he has what is going to happen these two teams look like they're going to play each other in the playoffs a lot it's back
2: like it it's 80s rivalry back like let's bring out the bird strangling eight, uh dr <laughs> j tape because like was holding it back, to <laughs> on they, yeah.
0: back already in this series they've played i think more times than anybody in the playoffs right like that's the series that's taken place i think the most in nba history
2: if you watch that or if you even remember the history of of uh lakers celtics um in the, the documentary they did on espn i believe with the lakers versus celtics documentary or yeah. rivalry rather uh Every year, it was Lakers, Celtics, Lakers, Celtics, Lakers, Celtics, Lakers, Sixers. <laughs> so, yeah, so that one on time
0: there. we sneak through that—that that was um, the only team I set think. up those great matchups. So you had the—I'm yeah, just trying to think off the top of my head. You had the Pistons sneak one at the end of the decade, but it was just Lakers, Celtics, the and, Sixers were there. and Sixers were the only teams to win titles.
2: Eighty-six, something like that.
0: I mean, it's crazy to think that it was only, like, the Sixers got one in that era. but That was the one thing that came out from that documentary. It was like, oh, so every
2: that. year for a decade, it was three teams competing. Yeah, pretty top-heavy then. Similar to now what it is today.
0: So a couple things about this series so far. I do want to preface this by saying you, even the most passionate Sixers fan or anti-Celtics person would have to give Brad Stevens a ton of credit. I mean, the man can flat-out coach, and one thing that I – like the bottom since his butler days was they just seem ready they're just a professional run organization professionally run organization even with Kyrie and Hayward out and some of the other injuries with Larkin being banged up and Marcus Smart not playing you have to know that the Celtics are going to be there uh, all the time and I know it's cliche to say oh they're just going to show up but a lot of teams in pro sports don't and that's one of the takeaways I have that the Celtics are in it and they're going to play full four quarters I mean even when the Sixers and before that, the Bucks have lead. the leads, the Celtics have been able to play and come back.
2: Yeah, I think a testament to that is team defense. Um, that's kind of one of the Brad Stevens staples. A lot can be said about the Butler teams and their ability to shoot the three. But team defense has always kind of been his staple if you see successful college programs. And, of course, he's transferred it to the NBA where it's not a me-first team. Uh, aside from maybe Kyrie when he's in the game, you give him a little bit more of, of the ball and the ability to 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 take his shots, which is fine, you know. You have Kyrie Irving, so uh, the their ability to lean back on um, veteran mindset. You got to remember they've been in they were in the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe, last yeah, year they were. with a lot of these players: Jalen Smith, Jalen Brown, excuse me, um, Marcus Smart, Horford, was Marcus there, Morris, yeah. Horford. Yeah. They have that experience, and the X factor of Jason Tatum coming in as a, as that NBA ready prospect to just add that spice that they, they kind of need. And they their depth through the draft mm-hmm. with Terry Rozier has propelled. They have talent. like right. It's just scary how much talent they have <laughs> and, and yeah, for I mean, the
0: future, like I was alluding to before. I know they've turned over a lot of the roster, but they've been making the playoffs the last couple of years and, and kind of progressing from a team that just gets in to making the run to the conference finals. Um, but i got to talk about those first three games. So as a Sixers fan, Sixers being, I think, favorite in every game so far going into it, including game five coming up when did you start to think out we might be in some trouble here because game one I, I don't i know they were favorites i thought that line was kind of i'll say a little disrespectful to the celtics a game one home game game two was the one where to me i mean obviously Simmons' struggles were a big part of that but you had a young team that started out so hot and then ultimately just forgot how to play basketball for a lot of that stretch. Was it in the middle of game two where you thought we're not where we need to be? We're not exactly executing the way we should be, or was it maybe a little before that?
2: No, I, I would say I argue for it to be that inbounds pass that goes awry late in game three. Honestly, because okay, so you weren't. You, yeah, I feel like right. you go by that adage where you know the series, the series doesn't, doesn't start, start yeah. right until uh, uh, someone loses on the home court or wins on the uh, opposing team's court, but. But frankly, yeah, you're right. You want to steal that game too. Obviously, um, it's disappointing that that they the shots just don't fall sometimes, and and it's inconsistencies of players. It's juggling of rotations, and I there I've seen some rotations now that I didn't see during the regular season with this team, which is weird. But it's also a lot to 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 yeah. juggle. And and Bre- Brett Brown, I'm sure. He, he, You have a lot of uh, opinions on on how he's coached this series. I do,
0: but uh, one last thing to give credit to the Celtics. I mean, you're going to, it's all about adjustments. You played the same team. I've heard Kevin McHale give
2: credit to the Celtics all series long. I'm so tired (laughs) of that guy on these broadcasts. That is like my biggest takeaway from this series. All right. That's a, a small
0: aside. Fair enough. In the playoffs, it's all adjustments. So Brad Stevens' whole game plan is to thwart. The Celtics and with or thwart the Sixers. And with all due respect to the Heat, they didn't have the talent to compete with the Sixers. They just weren't able to match up. They
2: tried to muck in and grind the game up to to get yeah, well, off their game and, and the Celtics have a little bit more talent to succeed at that strategy. Here's
0: why I thought at the beginning of this series that it was gonna not be smooth sailing. I mean, it's never it was too it was too fairytale-esque, and it's never that way just all the way through. Like the Sixers went on this great win streak. They have all these young players. They beat the Heat in five. At some point in the playoffs, you're going to deal with adversity. So that was the thought process for me was like, okay, finally this team is going to face some adversity. Game one losing it. Game one getting be pretty good in Boston. Not that surprising to me. Six days off. That's the excuse for that game, right? I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say excuse. I'd say, look, we're in a real playoff battle now. That mm-hmm. should be the wake up call. The like, okay. intensity of yeah. coming in from
2: a game seven exactly. at home now yeah. to game one with all that momentum on your side is huge, and that's right. what uh, maybe you were thinking about with the Vegas line. How the Celtics were or the Sixers' intensity just wasn't there. Game one. I just think game they didn't know they had that extra day off. Yeah. I think right, and in between those days to kind of.
0: It's like that, um.
2: Doubt creeps into to, their heads.
0: To, to steal another line from uh, Muhammad Ali, who talked about another Philly legend, Joe Frazier. He said, "Fighting with him, it was like you had to hit him a couple of times to let him know he was in a fight. Like he just wanted to get hit a couple of times in the face." So I feel like that was kind of the Sixers needed to know. Okay, this is a this is a big boy series now. Even if Kyrie's not out there, we're in a series. When they got up early uh, in the in the second game, I thought it was really telling that Brett Stevens didn't panic. And like you said, with some of those rotations, my thoughts on my thoughts on Brett Brown are, are this: um, you can't let the game get away from you. I see this too many times in the NBA where you're going to have runs against you; like it's going to happen. Strategically calling a timeout, stopping the bleeding, calming your guys down—haven't seen any of that. Game four was won by some unbelievable play, T.J. McConnell, obviously doing his part. But I still haven't seen that moment where the Celtics punched. The Sixers pretty good, and like a lot of teams that they they should be able to. All right, guys, we're good. It's a long game. Basketball's such an emotional game. I just I just haven't seen that. And the Brett Brown factor. I wouldn't say he's cost them some games, but you'd like to see coaching in these big moments push you over the top a little bit. And I just haven't seen it.
2: Yeah, just saying. Oh, uh, let's put Ben back in the game and and add hot water, and all of a sudden we're going to win at the end of the right. game. And you got to close out. And and to to your blown lead point, like. You're right. They they didn't panic. They came back on a run. They were like, hey, let's cut this to 10 mm-hmm. or whatever it was um, yeah. at halftime and let's work. And, it's and that's 48 kinda, minutes. If yeah. you remember the, the Cavaliers game at the, the Sixers-Cavs played at the uh, towards the end of the season, right. there and was another almost blew big that lead game. that yeah. was almost blown, and that yeah. was um, one of those little things that happened throughout the season that um, crept up this time in, in, in clutch time because they'd have – blown big leads during that winning streak they were taking care of business and beating bad teams by 20 in the first quarter did, then continuing that through the yeah, fourth did they good teams don't yeah. die like that especially right. in the playoffs
0: did they i think it was this year or last year they played the warriors and they were up by like 20 maybe this year this was uh yeah and they just completely in like blew it. yeah. december or something yeah. this year so something along year, those lines year. it's funny how that works um game three i mean look it comes down to execution at the end it's too bad Bellinelli wasn't behind the three point line. I mean, the confetti guy is going to get a lot of uh, blame for that. But look, you still have to come out and play. I'm. I get more. I get superstitions. I get bad omens. But at the end of the day, like you still have to come out and play. There's still five minutes left. You're at home. I know it's a letdown that you didn't hit that three. But if anything, you should think, hey, we got ba- we got bailed out. JJ Reddick had thought. a terrible turnover. We're still in this game. They should have lost in regulation. That's. I, I don't I'm not superstitious in this regard.
2: <laughs> they didn't deserve to win that game but they were in the position to win it several times and the Celtics Neither were too. Team that's a played hey, great offense. They that were great the haymakers though like, with with yeah. the, the defensive stops, fast break points and then all of a sudden Bellinelli decides to make a, a pretty clutch jumper and fall into his teammates arms. That was great.
0: Yeah, I I I don't blame Bellinelli in that regard, not being by the point. There's only no. one, whatever, second left. You don't have time Keep to Catch and really, shoot. Yeah.
2: But I, I really uh, – I think another X factor is the veteran presence of Al Horford to deal with Embiid and, and Simmons kind of equally. Yes. And, and Baines mean, has underrated. kind of yeah. emerged as a, as a premier defender Look, uh, on Joel.
0: And I don't – I'm not saying I love or dislike Baines, but there's something I respect about being willing to challenge shots and get dunked on at times. I mean, who got dunked on more than, say, Alonzo Mourning? But he was averaging like three blocks a game when he played. So,
2: well, Urson Ilyasova is kind of that guy for yeah, I mean, for the Sixers. He draws a lot yeah. of charges if he he gives he you that poster, euro yeah. look of a thirty year old euro who's <laughs> like, "Come on, really?" to right. the
0: ref. <laughs> I mean, it was the play was uh, the play on Horford's layup. I mean, when Covington fronted, you just thought all the pass has to do is get in there and he's going to score with that. Covington
2: just, gets away with a lot
0: because of his length and yeah. his big hands, and so he gets away with
2: slapping at the ball right. a lot of the times, and he's pr- pretty deadly accurate on that. Uh, but Horford's just a bigger guy to deal with. And, Still and, and Brad Stevens out of timeouts is, is almost like uh, a face-off statistic in, <laughs> in, in hockey where it's not going to win you the game, but it's also like a, a single that you can right. hit that, to, to help you
0: win the game. Time, Tom Weisenbach, Money Mitch Effect. What? A couple more things on this Sixers Celtics series. You worried at all about Ben Simmons? I mean, game two was pretty bad. I know rookies and young players have bad games, but it was a little LSU ish and there's a lack of assertiveness. And maybe that's Brown needing to be in his ear hole saying, Step up, but he, 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 be all, fixed.
2: he even made plays in game uh, four just then that the cross he had a cross court pass late in the game, nursing a lead, turnover. He tried
0: to why did he put that ball back in game three? That's the other awareness. Brown, yeah
2: laid into him for that and so that's that's kind of the tactic I guess he's been taking lately um long term I'm not worried about Ben Simmons I think he's just going to continue to develop I I I really believe that this offseason he'll work on his two foot (laughs) to ten foot jump shot he's at least taken some ten foot jump shot like that hadn't happened in the season like he doesn't take twelve foot jumpers. He made two, maybe this series, because right. they're challenging him to shoot, and that will—that's the only thing that's getting in the way of him becoming an all-time great player. I think is his ability to have respect from outside right, of the paint.
0: They're just shading off of him completely. Because you can't
2: be a point guard and not be able to at least put up a twelve foot T.J. McConnell jump shot.
0: I'm a fan of his game, but I'd like to see Joel a little tougher in the block. I agree. He needs to dominate. Um, like
2: he has moments of Hakeem, but like he also has like, moments where he's like trying, like trying to be Muggsy Bogues, and it's like come a, it's on, like a you deer. To, it's, you're it's huge.
0: Like, it's like a deer kind of learning how to walk. Sometimes when he, I heard somebody compare it to that. But he goes for every pump fake yeah. defensively,
2: and he tries to like front guards at the three point line, like three feet behind the three point line. When he just needs to stand there and lift his hands up to challenge a shot. He needs to kind of understand those principles. He wants to be a volleyball player and just spike everything.
0: And I find him funny and entertaining. The Rozier interaction was funny and entertaining. I would just... Oh, that and the the Morris twin when he was giving him the 3-0 back. Only thing about that is I'm not expecting basketball players to, to scrap or anything like that. But I would... If if it comes off as maybe too much corny, even we've seen Blake Griffin and other bigs get targeted in the block. I would just be a little hesitant that you know he might be making his his life a little tougher.
2: I think that's the equivalent to going back to hockey. It's a face brush where somebody then takes offense and drops the gloves. That's what Rozier was doing. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, Embiid was instigating, and you just made your you know your first turnover in a long time, Terry. Sorry, but. Yeah, maybe I'm biased. <laughs> no, I but I, have, but... I, I was screaming at the TV that he should have been kicked out of the game because he threw he threw a couple punches. <laughs> and, and I, I think the double technical is a useless. Well, yeah, that that might be That's fair. So but... many times that like the Dwayne Wade situation with Justin Anderson in the first series, that was a double technical. And Dwayne Wade just picked him up and threw him into the stands. So, That's absurd how so, you're policing yeah, the, so, the game that way. It does I nothing get... to deter it. So double happening.
0: technical, the logic that the NBA uses is that so now, if either guy gets another offense, they're out. Have to but, do but, it the again. Ne- but the negative of that is we're basically penalizing them equally. Mm-hmm. So, how, how could we combat that if we review it and we see that maybe Wade, in that case, picked up a foul? It should be a, a technical and a personal. It's hard because if both guys, the NBA rule structure is not like hockey or football where there's levels, it's just personal foul, technical foul, flagrant. So mm-hmm. maybe it's worth two fouls. I don't know. But. I, don't, yeah. I mean, I, I laughed. It was there are times where both guys deserve
2: it, yeah. but I, I just don't think that was one of them.
0: I wouldn't say that was a punch, though. Kind of like a shove. Like, oh, I, don't, yeah, to, <laughs> I don't know. If he's fighting me, it's a punch. <laughs> it's a punch, maybe. I don't know. Um, any <laughs> chances to go seven? What do we think?
2: Uh, I think there's a chance just for my my hope, but um, it's all going to be about uh, just surviving in advance at this point. I think they are capable of beating the Celtics. In Boston, especially with this confidence that they kind of revamped the game plan and played desperation basketball, and were able to pull it out by double digits. Yeah. Um, as long as the shots fall and they can kind of continue to play their game, I think the Celtics are also wearing down. They at, did look at, tired last game. they Jalen Brown is nursing a hamstring. Uh, backup point guard Larkin uh, has a shoulder injury that just uh, mm-hmm. happened in the last game. Even guys like Mar Smart had is recently back from injury. I don't know if that was the best they could handle. They just got to finish the job and maybe that veteran uh, locker room gets it done. I would like to see it come back to Philly for game six though.
0: That'd be pretty fun. I think for Boston, they're going to need Tatum who's been pretty good (laughs) a lot of this season.
2: And foul trouble was big in game four. Uh,
0: Three quick ones. Philly went right to the
2: paint and that's the finesse game that uh, the opposite of the finesse game that we've been seeing a lot with them. They need to draw fouls in order to get these guys off the court
0: uh, that can score pretty easily with Tatum and and Rozier. Well, we know who's waiting for them in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's the same guy who's been there nonstop, LeBron James. I don't – it's hard to say that this is his most dominant year, but maybe it's the year that he has had the least help. I don't want (laughs) to – I don't want to praise him too much without just – i got to give my lack of respect to the Toronto Raptors, too. It's like the opposite of the other way I look at it. All praise be to LeBron and what he's been able to do, but the Raptors are such a mentally weak team that I can't say I'm surprised by this at all.
2: Yeah, and they were so good during the regular season, and they it's had that the same mindset. story. It's, it's the it's same always, thing.
0: The only thing that got them through to the first round was they played an equally mentally weak team in the Washington Wizards. Right. They might have lost. I mean, depending on who they drew, if it would have been Milwaukee, I, mean, I don't know about Miami, but definitely. In I think that the range,
2: Raptors probably yeah. always going to win that first round. They just need to get over LeBron. That's going to be, that's their their deal. So,
0: so I just don't think they get enough easy buckets. I think their problem is they need Beestarosen. They need Kyle Lowry dominating. I don't think they. Ibaka I think those are two from B the guys that yeah.
2: that are not do not equal like the one A guy. and Maybe they're missing a more dominant big to kind of compliment their game. And, and or, a
0: true slide, or a true small forward hybrid wing player. When you play, we talk Serge about Serge Ibaka is, is kind of past his, these his teams, prime from Thunder. These teams, yeah. especially these LeBron James teams, they figure it out in the playoffs. You're playing them like we were talking about, best of seven. You're playing these guys multiple times. They know your moves. They know what you're trying to do. It just got to be – And their whole strategy all year was to just outscore everybody. I mean, that's not going to work in the playoffs. Come
2: I, on. <laughs> I still think that um, – George Hill's a pretty darn good player to lean on a little better than um, the young guys who are there. I I forget who was even on the team before they made the blockbuster trade. Because I think you evaluate this team based on post-trade Cavaliers. Uh, I feel like a LeBron team is is almost guaranteed to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Mm -hmm. And so it didn't really matter. They were always shaping that team for maybe a post-LeBron era. And so... They had to think that, that, like, a George Hill could be at least a a person, if they were to lose LeBron, have have Kevin Love, George Hill, to build around with D'Angelo Russell. No.
0: No. Uh, Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson. So Pardon Clarkson's me. not really – the only guy playing so far on the deal has been Hill. Yeah. I mean, Nance plays spurringly. Clarkson, even less than that. And then Rodney and then Hood didn't even good, check into the
2: game. Right. And how good the Jazz are without them.
0: Yeah. They made the playoffs. <laughs> Jay Crowder looked great. It I mean, kind
2: of freed everything up for their young right. guys, but we can talk about that probably a little bit.
0: I, I think it was interesting. Maybe the Pacers are better than we thought they were, that they took that team They to never seven. were
2: on TV. I don't think a lot of people saw them enough. And I think I, you I, were
0: one of the few people that said for the Sixers, I don't want to play the Pacers. And uh, hats off to you because they would have given you everything you can handle as well. I mean, ben or the yeah. Bucks,
2: I feel like Giannis and Ben yeah. match up probably the best against each other as like point, point forward.
0: Tristan Thompson found his game and got back into the rotation. Kyle Korver's looking good. He's knocking down open shots. J.R. Smith, there's a sighting for, for him. We can talk about whether or not – I mean, we can talk about LeBron's greatness and what he's able to do and how he's able to just figure stuff out as he goes. Um, but the biggest thing for me is if you look at a potential finals matchup where the Cavs still have weaknesses is if a team goes small on them, that Houston or Golden State, they can't really justify Love and Thompson being out there together. So that's when a guy like Nance, maybe Clark's, and even Hillmore are going to have to step Nance
2: up. Nance has uh, carved out a little role for himself on that team. Uh, I think think that that would be where he would have to make yeah. his money if he, if
0: that were he'd to have happen. to. That's that's I think that's just why you get him, him. Yeah,
2: just be there to be, catch the pass and dunk rim it pro- on your own. and
0: rim protecting and yeah, playing inside. But I mean, it's it's the same thing with them. I do want to touch on the Western Conference before uh, before we move on here. Tom Weisenbach, Money Mitch Effect. I know what's going to happen, right? The the Warriors and the Rockets are going to play in the conference final. Isn't it funny how you get both ESPN and TNT for days after a team, one of them loses one game? It's like, oh, are they vulnerable? Are they, let's draw. Let's let's bring up the hype machine for forty eight hours. But there's no doubt, right, that they're just going to come back and kill the Jazz or the Pelicans in their next game.
2: Yeah, I I mean, there's definitely a little bit of doubt once you lose one game. If they compound it by losing two, that doesn't happen to these teams. <laughs> I mean, they're they're stacked, and and keeping these good teams interested throughout the regular season keeps these twenty four hour sports news
0: mm-hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> cycles going.
2: Because if they lose one game during the regular season, are they vulnerable? Every, that that topic still comes up. Obviously, it, they're going to be more vulnerable in the playoffs, having lost a seventh of your series. But <laughs> this is like, it's like true. You still think that they're able to turn it on it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that they will end up being in a funk and losing they're only vulnerable if they lose their big players
0: the Warriors are too talented for me to think that they're going to be worried in the first two rounds Curry back is just icing on the cake I mean they're a team that's good enough to maybe I'd say about 50 50 maybe even more win a title without Curry even playing Durant plays like he did in game four against the Pelicans he's unguardable out there Um, Curry adds that wealth as well I I just don't don't know how you stop a team like that If you're the Pelicans When you have Anthony Davis Drew Holiday playing out of his mind And and Rondo dishing it But it still can't match offense with them The Rockets are more of an interesting team I think they're losing by a couple points right now But if they blew this Utah series It would thoroughly shock me But I just don't like watching them play (laughs) Maybe that makes me in the minority But all due respect to James Harden Probably going to win the MVP this year their offensive production's been great. But it's just kind of, I don't want to say boring, but just kind of lackluster for me because it's just hard in holding the ball for about 15 seconds and either jacking up a three or doing a pick-and-roll and getting Capella, dunk or Chris Paul, an open J or something. I just i don't think that's, that's the best basketball. So it's, it's They're just playing an analytic of, game. I can
2: shoot, so I'm going to shoot, and I'm yeah. going to make the, this amount. And if we do that, then we're going to score this amount of points. <laughs> and, and I think the Utah Jazz are a pretty good um, – for them in that they defend. I mean, if the Rudy Gobert is right. the only real true rim protector, I think left in the NBA. Yeah,
0: yeah, he might I, be and right. Joel
2: might be like one A, but I real I still don't think like Joel wants to be a three point uh, an arc protector in some cases. I, and Rudy just kind of stays in the paint and makes sure nobody's making a layup.
0: I don't know if it's sensitive bringing up his name, but Donovan Mitchell's pretty. <laughs> I don't, it is this sensitive. This isn't personal to them. He's been g- able
2: to take it to the hole and finish. I like, mean, he's good. And did you see the out?
0: I thought it was pretty funny and ironic that whose numbers does he have identical in his first playoff uh, playoff run that they compared him to? Allen Iverson. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I we're that. not. Donovan Mitchell looks like he's going to have a great career. It's hard to say anyone's going to be Iverson, but it is kind of funny and, and cool that their numbers are like identical, almost down to the decimal in all categories. And
2: Michael Carter Williams was rookie of the year once, too.
0: <laughs> so Mal- Malcolm Brogdon was last year. Exactly. <laughs> Why don't so, we just take so we'll his tell, away? We'll That's tell, what we should do. <laughs> And give it to Joel Adario. <laughs> I know. Well, that's, yeah. the other,
2: that's why Malcolm Brogdon draw booze in the final season game when the, the Sixers beat the Bucks by oh, 35. we're going we to take it out on him. And it's not and like said, this poor kid. This poor yeah. kid is getting
0: booed. He didn't politic. I mean, I, I get it. I <laughs> Look, I mean, the rule is Simmons is going to win rookie of the year because that's how the rule is. I don't personally like that rule, but that's the rule. So, you know. It is what it is. But and it's
2: just pointless sports conjecture because exactly. it's an award. And, and you'd rather win an MVP than a rookie of the year. You'd rather win a title than a rookie of the year. When you got the, the perfect of the
0: storm of Simmons' Nike and then you have uh, M B Mitchell's Adidas so they can go at it too. But Oh, yeah,
2: and it's all about making the dollars right. and making yourself more comfortable. But Quinn
0: Snyder's, Quinn Snyder's heck of a coach. I mean, they, they lost Gordon Hayward in the offseason. They get Mitchell 13th overall, and they get this team. They kind of blew it up, year. and,
2: and they, they stockpiled a bunch of picks. They kind of blew up their, their – they're brought in Rubio. Strategy.
0: They could use him. I mean, they that, got rid of Rodney, Rodney
2: yeah. Hood, and
0: then um and uh what's his name? Uh Hill was on that team too. George yeah, Hill yeah, and
2: and Hayward. Those were the big three for Utah the mm-hmm. last couple of years.
0: Brought in Rubio, and they
2: had Dante Exum. He's still. I mean, Joe Ingles comes in and and, yeah, and does I love work that guy. Yeah. with because he's friends with Dante, I believe, because they played in Australia together. Is that? I mean, I think that's. It, I think Ingles came to the NBA well, because of
0: a teammate. The Clippers had him and right. cut him. <laughs> or maybe he came to the Jazz so, yeah, because of him. Exum just lost Exum just lost all his explosiveness, unfortunately, when he tore his uh, ACL. And he's still uh, contributing. Yeah.
2: Uh, you forget about him. It's almost like when Derrick Rose came off the bench for the Timberwolves. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Um, remember, I just recall because of the Sixers tanking years and, and Exum was that – guy on the radar under the radar who nobody had seen anybody nobody had seen tape on him so did he mm-hmm. could he play or not and that was like I guess the Wiggins and Parker draft yeah and you see how that turned out
0: <laughs> yeah yeah Wiggins got that big deal and then didn't have his best year this year um, now it's interesting I mean we'll see what happens the rest of the NBA playoffs but I feel like that Western Conference Final and I I don't even know maybe we're all just pumping up Houston too much because it's been Golden State's League seems like it's going to stay that way. But yeah,
2: Houston seems more vulnerable just because they can get in their own head. And yeah. I think Chris Paul is going to have the drive. He's been one to not perform well at this time of year.
0: And the Warriors are going to score 100 and what, 15 to 20 points every game, and they're going to make you match that. So, we'll see.
2: Yeah, Warriors and and Rockets would be an All-Star game. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I just I still like Golden State's ability to defend a little bit. They don't; it doesn't even have to be that great, but just a little bit of defense, and they're gonna give Houston some problems. All right, Tom. Before I let you go, just a couple football things because we're also football guys as well. I saw the Mark Ingram news today that dropped. I, I don't know if I was shocked. I didn't hear it. Before. Four games, PEDs, and um, we don't know what it was or what happened. I'm not gonna be the judge and jury on that. All that they said was that it was looming, that he had known about it which is why he wasn't shopped. which is why all this stuff happened because he's in the last year of his contract now. Be that as it may, he had a pretty good year last year. I know you've always been high on him as a player, but they have this guy, Alvin Kamara. I'm wondering, though, it could be a David Johnson-type syndrome. I don't think Peyton wants to fully turn it over to this guy yet, maybe to be overbearing but also to have a lot of weapons. I, I Four games is a quarter of the season. How do you think the Saints will be able to deal with it? Uh, Drew Brees. So you have been passing game. That's where – okay. Um,
2: yeah, I'm not sure anything about the story. I know they have another running back.
0: Uh, they signed uh, Jamal Williams from the Packers, who filled in uh, for a few games. And, and that's another well. young guy yeah.
2: that, that maybe can catch the ball out of a backfield for them.
0: I don't – you know, everyone was growing them for, for trading up and not taking Lamar Jackson at the draft. But if Brees can give you a couple years, and that's the window. You have to Defense win. was elite this year, yeah. too.
2: And, and Drew was – uh, the defense, I think, maybe even think got, them, got to them to the playoffs. Address, sure, yeah. And Drew was kind of the factor that helped them advance. Obviously, uh-huh. the miracle of Minnesota happens, and who knows if they beat the Eagles, go to the Super Bowl. You know, that, you never that know, yeah. those fine lines in football. but
0: They're right there is what we're saying. Like they're, they're right, right there. there yeah. With
2: a guy like that, when you have a quarterback, you're always kind of right there. It's almost like a star player in basketball.
0: I think it'll be interesting to see. We were always going to wonder about Kamara next year. What happens when he gets a full season? Not you know stuck in Adrian Peterson purgatory as a prime factor on this team, but he's gonna have to step up early now. Um, it'd be interesting to see that though. I, anytime there's a suspension to start of the year, I'm always a little hesitant to just see how a team reacts and if that player is able to find the groove. Ingram's getting up there too.
2: Is uh, Alvin Kamara Ezekiel Elliott essentially?
0: I man,
2: what a he time for running that backs. reigns in the second year of his. Uh... He'll, it's funny healed.
0: how it's funny how we're in that golden era maybe of running backs but it's just such short shelf lives cuz now we'll see Barkley on the Giants and it's that theory of do the you running th- backs
2: in the NFC East right now are insane.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'd say so.
2: If you start in Washington, you have Chris Thompson, Samaje, P. Ryan.
0: Well, they just drafted and they got uh the dude who fell uh Geis from LSU. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, that was the perfect for Giants have Saquon
2: him. Barkley. Yeah. Eagles have Darren Sproles, uh, Jay Ajayi. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, they have Jay I mean, Ajayi. they do. They do. <laughs> and the Dolphins really sh-
0: Hey, the Dolphins really showed him, didn't they? <laughs> and uh, Donnell Pumphrey for now. <laughs> yeah. But, um, okay. Not for long. And, and
2: Dallas, of course. You have Ezekiel Elliott. Name me a better division that has better running backs.
0: That's tough. Um Maybe maybe
2: they're all trying to play defense and ball control you now. Yeah,
0: I can't I can't go depth with you because you even the AFC managers. West doesn't have the depth. Yeah, you're right. It's the NFC. <laughs> it is. It's just stacked
2: at running back right now. I mean, now. even with fantasy, you're going to be talking about the NFC East an awful lot. Yeah, uh, running backs.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I got to ask you what you think about Baker Mayfield, though. I'm wearing my brown shirt. That was today. surprise, surprising. Surprised they didn't
2: take the uh, California boys. Really? Okay, I'm saying you don't this, like that opinion or the theory that I have I like, behind that. Yeah.
0: Well, that's what, you know, the Bills use your theory. just want to point that out. The Bills traded up to get Allen, and they said... That's they why they got like, Peterman,
2: the pick guy, too. They bro. didn't like
0: either of the California warm weather boys. I like Arnold. I would have taken Mayfield probably second after him, ahead of Rosen. Um, one thing I like is that's their guy. They're, they're sold on it. They have to be. And I've said this before, but I also think that it's not going to matter where they drafted him if he does well. <laughs> Who? Baker Mayfield. Like that he was first overall versus if they wait, if they did you know. Yeah, third round Russell Wilson. Right.
2: Everyone's chasing that next guy.
0: I disagree with that. I think he'll still have his chip on his shoulder. I mean, yeah, he might not be able to play the underdog as much anymore, but. He's Johnny without the cocaine habit. They play differently, though. I mean, come on. We know that. Same
2: Similar skill set, though. Yeah. Maybe Johnny doesn't. Uh, I mean, Baker doesn't run as many. Um, crazy scramble drills right. as johnny did or has the ability on the foot but he can still move right. he's about the same size i think
0: i like the attention to detail all the reports about him studying and being a student of the game and understanding the playbook that's another thing uh i was at his press it.
2: conference at the rose bowl when he uh he cried broke down because he uh, let his teammates right. down if there's one
0: if there's one thing i don't want one narrative i want ruined it's that Oh, Georgia figured him out in the second half. I what I think Lincoln Riley got way too conservative. just yeah, stepped up their game a little bit, but I mean, he had a good game. You know, it was a classic. <laughs> it was, you know,
2: yeah, that was a the wild game. I think who would, who'd you
0: take it for? Denzel Ward, another guy that like everybody wanted. I wanted Bradley Chubb. I like Denzel Ward, Ohio State guy. Mm-hmm. The corner was a huge need, and so it's the theory of what's more important. Who would you rather have? gary or greg Williams defense is heavy on cornerbacks and playing well and he thought he needed it okay you know another thing the where your like cover back in if ward does well no one's gonna care so that's i mean i know it was in a different spot for you with the Eagles not this but is this your first draft that you didn't really like dive into fully because you won the Super Bowl and it's like uh yes that's nice feeling a, that's yeah.
2: accurate especially well we didn't we didn't have a ton of picks in this draft uh they drafted I think three three picks. They traded out of the first round to get yeah.
0: uh, after the rugby guy too, right?
2: They did. Okay. So that's that's. Uh, I want to see him. I want to see him as a goal line back in, sp- yeah. in 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 uh, training camp. That that's good work. <laughs> that would be fun to it see could've. another because uh, you see that highlight tape of him running the ball. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Somebody's like, yeah. I said, put him in the backfield. Somebody said, as a fullback. I said, now give him the ball. <laughs> You can't <laughs> tackle him. Put Fletcher Cox at fullback and him at the tailback, and you're going to score a lot.
0: Oh, uh, man. Well, I'm glad the draft for Dallas got it. Yeah. I
2: like the dra- uh, trading in front of Dallas to have David Akers troll. Yeah, Dallas. I was like, I was
0: waiting for you to bring up Akers. Yes. Coming up. There's uh, a couple takeaways from the draft. One being Akers just going complete. Only Dallas trolled Philly, basically. It, from the year before. It, from
2: the year before. Every team trolled Dallas this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's true Goodell even tried to hide behind Cowboys players Not to get booed Which I thought uh, was a nice touch And then of course the Dallas guy Who uh, got drafted who uh, They did that whole story about how he got bullied <laughs> It's like sucks to be those bullies Mm-hmm. <laughs> bullying a guy that turned out to be a lineman NFL pick as well but.
2: Also with the draft shout out to my high school mate Devin Gilfillian for uh, singing the national anthem Ah, oh, nice The NFL draft That there was a go. cool moment for me
0: There you go Works out well all right well tom weisenbach this was a blast um yeah and congrats i know you and brenner are both a little happy with the capitals finally got by the penguins so
2: yeah there's a small wager depending upon that uh, well
0: there's that she's dc you're not but you hate pittsburgh so there's that. i also hate <laughs>
2: pittsburgh they knocked the flyers out i uh so full disclosure brenna's parents had a, a wager on the washington capitals to win the stanley cup okay yeah uh I said I'll root for that as long as the Flyers aren't <laughs> involved. I gotta have to go orange, uh, bleed orange at first, and and so luckily in this case the Penguins knocked out the Flyers, so I didn't have to root against the Capitals. Mm-hmm. I can root for the Capitals the rest of the way here uh, with full throat.
0: It's good, it's great. I was happy. Ovechkin's reaction was everything, but it's only halfway home. <laughs> I mean, I just pumped the brakes on the win in the Cup thing. I mean, it is, it's still. Still a journey. Got eight more huge yeah. wins, and Tampa's up next. But I was happy to see You got summer to go, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. You got
2: another month?
0: It'll be over a little before basketball. But Tom Weisenbach, thanks for joining the show. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to do this again sometime soon. But thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks, Mitch. That's it for today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again to Eric Roberts and Tom Weisenbach for – coming on and talking sports with me thanks to Tim Adams for supplying the beats Brian Nelson for supplying the logo and thanks to each and every one of you for liking listening, sharing the show which can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes and Google Play there's been a lot of great stuff in the sports world the Kentucky Derby was this past weekend baseball's heating up, we saw another no-hitter last night And uh, it's just a great time. It's just a great time to watch sports, enjoy it. we got tennis coming up as well. We're going to have to do a French Open preview in the near future uh, as well, so you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, And then golf as well, the U.S. Open. we got the golf swing there as well. But, you know, I'm mostly invested in hockey. I like to dabble in other sports, but it's just a great time. Please, I beg of you, watch Game 7 tomorrow night. If you're thinking about it, Nashville and Winnipeg, in Nashville. Who's Nashville going to bring out to sing the National Anthem? I don't know. I'm still mad at Justin Timberlake for delaying the game uh, a day, but you know we'll just be even thirstier as hockey fans. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, I love you and keep watching and enjoying sports.